Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, everybody. This is Forging the Falcons, your regularly scheduled Wednesday morning time. We are live on Facebook and YouTube. I'm Scott Kennedy. I'm in Atlanta. This guy over here is Nick Kendall. He is in Seattle. So we have you covered coast to coast for your Wednesday morning NFL football fix. Nick, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty well. Can't complain too much. Getting ready to fly back to the uh, Quad Cities, my hometown in uh east iowa here tomorrow so we're not going to be there for building our broncos for breakfast tomorrow i'm going to be you're going to be on your way to london i'm going to be on my way home for a wedding and uh going to be a busy weekend i'm honestly ready for a nice autumnal winter slumber uh, it was a busy <laughs> summer uh i need a break i'm feeling a little better today though man i, w- I took some zequil last night and i was out by about 8 30 p.m like no joke and then uh woke up today at about 5 30 and feeling feeling a lot better there we go. I, uh, I'm enjoying one last night of normal sleep before I head to London and throw everything out of whack. So uh, I'll be heading over tomorrow. I'm going to go over and watch a little Chelsea on Saturday, go down to Brighton on the South Coast, then go watch the, uh, the Broncos Jags on Sunday morning before I watch some NFL football on Sunday afternoon. Get to watch uh, Get to watch the Falcons and Panthers. And for the first time this season, the Falcons are favorites uh, week eight. First time they're favorite. Not bad for a three and four team to beat the spread pretty much every single week. We will get into that. I want to say good morning to some folks that are coming in. Uh, Joe Cannon, <clears throat> always with us. Love it. Thank you for being here, Joe. It's great morning, Scott and Nick. Good morning, Joe. Albert Knoppers coming in as well. So Albert coming in on Facebook as well. So people are starting to roll in just a little bit. I got a favor to ask you as you're watching. Uh, I'm going to drop the link to the tweet I put in there, letting everybody know that, hey, we're live. And, you know, if you've got a Twitter account, give us a retweet. Let people know. You know, you probably have as many Falcons fans or more than I do. So, uh, you know, mine are, mine are scattered pretty much all over the country since I've lived all over the place and done a bunch of different things. Um, we'll, we'll get to some questions here real quick. And uh, Make You Fumble has a, uh, and it's good to see you again. It feels like it's been a little while. So welcome back in. Um, Make You Fumble says, I think we should sign Desmond Trufant. I'll, I'll be honest, Nick. This this is serious, right? I have lost complete track of Desmond Trufant since he left the Atlanta Falcons. Just haven't even given him a second thought. Now, I've got a pretty good idea where some of those other guys are. Uh, Julio Jones is on you know, the bench, always hurt for Tampa. Matt Ryan just got benched. Russell Gage is doing okay. I haven't checked on Deion Jones, though, to see how he's doing with Cleveland. But I'll be honest, Des- Desmond Trufant has been completely out of my mind. Uh, you know, how has he been doing? Was he just released? Is he coming off IR? What What's up with him? 
I'm not sure what is up with him right now. Single, uh, obviously, for first round pick, I believe, for the Falcons, uh, probably eight or so years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks like he, Desmond Trufant, excited to join the Bears' stellar defense, signed five years ago. Uh, last year with the Raiders, didn't do much there. They were a horrible defense. So that's the thing about cornerbacks. You know, you, people like jump on running backs about how quickly their window closes uh, when they're older, but cornerbacks is that much even maybe more dramatic uh, when they reach that age drop off because of how just thin the margins are for health age and twitch playing that in space position uh, in the NFL. So, I mean, if he's out there and you want to add somebody that's familiar with your scheme, I don't think he ever played under peas, but uh, under there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, unfortunately, I mean, it's a name that you recognize, but probably somebody I would not advocate for at this point, but I, I'm still a little bitter from how, horrible uh Kyle Fuller was last year coming into Denver I'm I'm kind of out on old corners if you are reliant on them yeah and I, I feel like you know as a stopgap measure they're okay Casey Hayward was starting to round into shape before he got hurt unfortunately so hopefully he will come back uh and 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 be fine and you know I always say this is a bigger faster stronger game it's not a skill game this is a this is an athlete's game you don't hear about guys picking up baseball in college for the first time and then ended up starting shortstop for the New York Yankees three years later that doesn't happen doesn't happen in the NBA. It happens in football. Uh, and the best athletes on the field, maybe the best athletes in the world, are NFL cornerbacks. So if they start losing a little bit of that, of that athleticism, it starts showing much quicker. So you're right about that, Nick. Um, Dominic Jaramillo coming in. saying good morning, Scott and Nick and Dog Nation. It's Gator Week. It is. Is it time for world's largest outdoor cocktail party? It is about, are we still even allowed to call that? Or have some PC police started jumping on that one too? So um, it should be interesting. It should be a good game. It hasn't been, we've had some streaks broken down in the SEC. Tennessee, Alabama got interesting. Maybe Georgia, Florida will get interesting again. That one has gone back and forth. That doesn't seem to like trade off where both are good and they, they alternate. It's Florida beats Georgia for 20 years, and then Georgia seems to beat been beating Florida for 10. So very, very big, uh, big scales there. Chris Walker coming in says, "Good morning, guys." Well, it looks like the finally the Falcons finally decided Marlon Davidson was a bad decision, and he is finally a bust. Yeah, Chris, we'll get into that one real quick. I think they decided that in the preseason at the latest. Um, when he just like Deion Jones, when he played in the preseason. And then was put on IR. I'm like, sayonara, you're you're done. Uh, that was a that was a decision that these this guy is not being counted on. Um, you know, could he be signed back to the practice squad? Maybe. Um, I don't know. They they there's. I wanted to get into a little bit. I've I've you know, shillelagh Thomas Dimitrov enough. I kind of wanted to go back through his draft because. He didn't. He wasn't all bad, a hundred percent bad. He's he's done a few good things, but Marlon Davison, second round pick, uh, Nick, big defensive tackle from from Auburn, Gonzo, uh, didn't accomplish much in his career with the uh, with the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, no, he former, I think, five star recruit, Auburn, a solid player. I thought he always had issues in at Auburn. Uh, I thought he always had issues with leverage and never really explosive. I never really saw a twitchy athlete out there at Auburn, just kind of a big guy uh, that stood out. So not super shocking uh, that he's gone. And we talk about it all the time on the other shows that when a new regime comes in, they are exceedingly not loyal uh, to the previous regime's players and picks. 
Uh, Marlon Davidson's gone. Really hasn't done much in his career to date uh, for the Falcons. So not that surprising. A disappointment because you like to have quality depth in the trenches. You want to be able to rotate those guys. But second round pick gone three years after he's drafted. Um, I guess, you know, sayonara. Yeah, I want to see. Um, here we go. I want to show this. I, I do like the RAS since I just got done talking about uh, bigger, faster, stronger and how this is an athlete's game. Um, I go and look. And it's like, well, where was he? You know, where did he show up there? You know, coming out of Auburn, there's a lot of red. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're watching this, if you're listening afterwards, uh, RAS stands for Relative Athletic Score, and it does a good job of taking guys at certain positions against other positions. Now, with that weight at 9.9, I'm guessing, and yes, he is listed as a defensive end, and maybe that's a problem. He's a little bit of a tweener. Uh, at 6'3", 303 pounds, he should be a defensive tackle. Um, so where do I change Where do I change his position on here, or am I at the wrong spot? Uh, it wouldn't be on Twitter. It's actually on the website. Yeah, but it's I'm, I'm not here. I'll just go. Type in his name. That wasn't Twitter. RS menu. And I want to, I know if I go through this way, it just takes a second. I went through Google and Google and RAS don't get along very well. Uh, you so, almost have to go directly to the site, which is just RAS.football. Marlon Davidson. And if this doesn't come up really quickly, we're going to skip it because Marlon Davidson link. Okay, here we go. Now you see me, see how the wheels are turning in here. Not quite as bad. Listed as a DT, relative athletic score of 6.42. Uh, all yellow and red here for height, 40-yard dash, 504, 10-yard split, uh, bench 21. You know, all that's okay. It doesn't have the uh, the agility or testing information recorded for this player. Okay, that's scary <laughs> um, when you don't have those things. But again, you see as a DT, he's okay. Um, so why are you drafting him where you did? which was, let's see, he was a second-round pick, 47th overall. Um, that's a miss. And, and and there were some signs there, like you're saying, that, that he shouldn't have been taken there to begin with. Um, you know, we talk about an overdraft pick. He That was an overpick. You, you look at the ath- athletic numbers, and it's not like he was hugely productive at Auburn. No. Then And you see that, and you think, okay, that's a sixth or seventh rounder at best. Yeah, it's uh, that's the unfortunate reality with it. And for some positions, the athleticism doesn't always tend to translate perfectly. You know, you look at a linebacker, especially if they don't have it above the shoulders. I don't care if they run or jump or spin or, you know, do handstands. They're going to struggle. Same with uh, running backs and uh, same with, honestly, like offensive linemen as well. It's such a technique-based position, safety. But uh, defensive line is typically one where, you can really translate athleticism one for one uh, at the next level. It's the reason a lot of those guys don't bust as often as the early, like really early picks is because the athletic freaks tend to translate. If you're an athletic freak in the trenches, as long as you're not a complete dip, you know what, uh, then uh, you're probably going to make it out there. I think a guy that comes to mind, like is a Robert Camdici, you know, not the smartest guy in the world, Uh, but uh, Marlon Davidson just kind of going off of his, Living off that five-star pedigree, uh, getting a second-round draft pick, uh, I think more a single digit at Auburn as well. So that, you know, oh, the prestige there. And uh, struggled there. So it's unfortunate. But uh, it also means to me that you uh, like a lot of guys that you already have here uh, in your rotation. If you're moving on from a second-round pick, 
halfway through year three of his rookie contract. So Thomas Graham, uh, Greedy Jarrett's playing incredible, and hopefully some more guys uh, can continue to step up here going forward. Now, to be fair, um, want to talk about that draft class because uh, I want to hit, um, let's see, who'd had this? Marco, Marco, it wasn't Marco, someone had a, Chris has a big comment on him. Um, it says, that in terms of Dimitrov, he wasn't great at talent evaluation. His good picks were so obvious that anyone could have made those. His free agent signings and cap management was horrible, with a few notable exceptions. So as they say, even a blind squirrel can find a nut every so often. Yeah, he does. Um, his free agency signings were pretty poor. Um, cap management was just god-awful. Um, the good picks that were so obvious anyone could have made those, I will disagree on that one, because he was railed on for A.J. Terrell. That was considered a, a reach on that one. So if you look at this Marlon Davison draft, which was 2020, this was a pretty good draft. This was his last draft. So if anything, thank you, Thomas Dimitrov. You had a pretty good draft in 2020 before you were, you were canned. AJ Terrell in the first hit Marlon Davison in the second bust Matt Hennessy in the third. Okay. Uh, he's probably not going to be a starter in this league, a third round pick at center. You probably should do a little bit better than that. Uh, if I'm going interior lineman with a third round pick, uh, in the fourth round, you got Michael Walker starter, my, uh, Jalen Hawkins, fourth round starter, seventh round, Sterling Hoffrichter punter. Um, he's gone play, did play some time though. So I got AJ Terrell, uh, a, a decent backup at Hennessy, but that was a little bit of an overdraft and two starters in the fourth round. That's not a bad haul for, uh, for his, his 2020 draft. That wasn't too bad. Um, would you want, would you expect a little more out of that, Nick, or would you say, Hey, that was okay. It was okay. Uh, I think that those two big whiffs in the day two of the draft really make it more of an average draft class, but getting a top 10 cornerback, uh, in the NFL, so, um, and that's probably being a little conservative uh, and AJ Terrell at 16 overall is a pretty good get. And also I appreciate you guys getting that one because, uh, the Raiders were lining up to get AJ Terrell and you guys took him right before them. So they ended up taking Damon Arnett, who is the one who is flashing guns and saying he's going to shoot people on Instagram, uh, <laughs> before getting released. So, uh, I guess Raiders going to Raider, but a uh, good job keeping AJ Terrell away from them. You look at the next couple years, though. So you go to 2019 and you say Chris Lindstrom won at 14 and Caleb McGarry first round at 31. And that might be why they didn't have a fifth or sixth round pick because they traded up to get McGarry. And then they didn't have a, a, another pick until the fourth. So Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry in the first. McGarry is just now playing in the realm of a first round pick. Chris Lindstrom's been good. Kendall Sheffield, corner fourth, no. John Kaminsky, defensive end, no. Kadri Allison, running back, not really. Um, Jordan Miller, cornerback, no. Marcus Green, no. Uh, 2018, Calvin Ridley. I'm not sure how well you did your homework on that guy. He was 24 years old coming in, had a decent – I won't call him a miss, but I didn't want another wide receiver at that point either. Isaiah Oliver is coming into his own second round. Third round, uh, Deidre Sinet, uh, defensive tackle. Not really, especially for the third round. Running back, Ito Smith, no. And then the sixth round, you got a pair of really good players in Russell Gage and Foyo Luakon. Uh, the 17 draft was historically awful. Tack McKinley, Duke Riley, Sean Harlow, DeMonte Kazee, uh, Brian Hill, and Eric Saubert. That Ooh. was that was pretty poor. Um, that was a pretty poor haul. So 2016, not, though, amazing. 
yeah, this, the, the next one, I'll, 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 I will hit the next one with 16 and I'll stop. Uh, Keanu Neal, great player for the Falcons. Deion Jones was a very good player for the Falcons. Austin Hooper, third round, very good tight end. Fourth round, uh, Devondre Campbell, and then Wes Schweitzer and, De- and Devin Fuller uh, in the sixth and seventh. That was a good draft. That, that was an amazing good draft. Yeah. So I felt like when Dimitrov actually went after defensive players except the line, he did pretty well. He did okay. Um, but again, as Chris says, when you can't manage a salary cap and you're overspending on your own free on your own contracts, re-signing those guys, uh it, it's a it's a fatal flaw. It didn't matter what else he was doing, that was a fatal flaw. Yeah, I mean, they did draft some trench players, but the, all their trench players that they drafted were busts, I mean, or did not live up to the hype. I mean, just looking over that, yeah, I know you've been complaining about the defensive line since we started doing this show, but it's kind of funny just looking at it. I mean, I guess funny for me. Sorry, guys. But uh, Takaris McKinley with uh, Deadron Sanat never really lived up to it. He was fine there for like his rookie year. Then he really fell off. Uh, John Kaminsky didn't do much of anything. Marlon Davidson with, I mean, there's your defensive trench picks right. and uh, not even one of them uh, hit or played above their uh, draft. Yeah. Line. And he didn't take enough of them to be missing on any of them, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I had always said that uh, Thomas Dimitrov treated the Atlanta Falcons like he was the agent of a seven on seven quarterback. So he overpaid his quarterback. He overpaid four and then overpaid four skill players and ignored the line. So it was like he was getting kickbacks for anything he got for his quarterback. That's how he was constructing this team. Um, not a big fan of it. <laughs> not a big fan of, uh, of, of of Thomas Dimitrov, but he didn't do all things bad. He didn't. He, he left us a, a decent decent couple of presents with Chris Lindstrom, who you know a guard. That's a, that's a, that's a bit of a risk. And then AJ Terrell at the time was a risk. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the lines of scrimmage were just, if they weren't ignored, then they were just treated shoddily. Uh, good morning, Steve Kennedy says, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, Marco Z coming in. Hello, pupper. Uh, says, good morning, guys. I trust Arthur Smith is a good coach, but do you feel he is being stubborn by sticking with Mariota despite his limitations, especially if he struggles against a good Carolina D? Um, there's going to be some stubborn in him for sure. There, there has to be a certain amount of stubborn. Um, you know, when you when you start asking the question is, you know, are you making this the the decisions because you are stubborn? You're like, I'll show everybody. You know, then then it becomes a problem. I felt like that's how Dan Reeves was with the draft. He's like, I'll show everybody how smart I am. I'll go draft these guys nobody's ever heard of. Well, there's a reason nobody's ever heard of them, Coach Reeves, and why you shouldn't be a general manager. May he rest in peace. Um, I don't think he's being stubborn about this just yet. Um, you know, I, I think right now they feel that they're in this thing. They got a chance to make the playoffs. They do. And Marcus Mariota gives them the best chance to win. That That's what I think. That's what the NFL wants you to think. That's why they expand the playoffs. That's why they make everybody mediocre. And you can watch bad football for four months and have a chance at the playoffs. It's fool's gold is how I put it in a, in a discussion yesterday on YouTube. It's, it's fool's gold. These, these Falcons aren't contenders. They're not Super Bowl contenders. They're not a good team, but they're in the playoff race. It's, it's dishonest, really. But it works. Who's to argue with the NFL? Yeah. No, really, it's, uh, it does work. So 
<sighs> Interesting seeing the Broncos just made a move. Uh, so that's good. Tom Compton coming back. Uh, sorry to get distracted there. But uh, yeah, Scott, um, this is our last show before uh, the upcoming week as well. So excited to talk about Panthers and mm-hmm. the first place Falcons. But um, make you fumble coming in saying, question, it seems AJ Trail is in a ball hawk corner. You think we should give him a payday? They haven't really thrown at him too much. Uh, he does, I think, get his hands on a fair amount of uh, balls, but interceptions are volatile. It's more about how good they are in coverage. Uh, I wish that we had access to the GPS data. Um, I know the teams have like how close a cornerback is in spatial uh, distance from the player and like their angle and their hips uh, when they their turning ability, all these interesting uh, data points that we do not have access to. But yeah, I think he should get a payday. I think the turnovers are more probable when you have better cornerbacks around you. Uh, that's one. Uh, right now, cornerbacks around AJ Terrell are all probably below average. Maybe Isaiah Oliver is average at corner, which is fine. Uh, and also the pass rush. Uh, you got to put some pressure up front uh, consistently to put yourself in situations where there are some quarterbacks making unfavorable throws or getting tipped at the line or getting hit. And right now, I think the Falcons have taken big steps forward from last year to this year, but you're still probably a couple pieces away on the defensive front from being a unit where you are taking the football away. And yes, make you fumble. Now, does he need to be paid as one of the top three corners in the league? Not yet. Not yet. But I almost look like the guy who should have the most interceptions is the one playing on the opposite side of AJ Terrell. You know, to Nick's point is if, if, if I don't have to go at AJ Terrell, I'm not gonna. So what are his guys doing against him? You know, he had a couple against Michael Thomas had a couple nice plays um, that's going to mess up his touchdowns and plays against in the first game, two touchdowns, really nicely thrown balls from Jameis Winston and great plays. You're just not going to beat that. That that just, that's part of the game. Um, but yes, I think he will be in line. This is year three. Um, they will pick up his option year four, no doubt about it. So that puts him in, in control for two more years and they will absolutely offer him an extension that will put him in the top five-ish corners at the time when they give him his extension and they'll have the the salary cap room to do it. It'll be one of their own. It'll send a signal to the rest of the team. Hey, young guys, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, if you perform, you will be taken care of. Premium position at corner, hard to find. He's young. Yes, I think we should give him a payday. <laughs> I really yeah. do. Yeah, I mean, talented young player. Uh, the cornerback's one of the most valuable, one of the four most valuable. Hell, I'll even say one of the three most valuable positions uh, on the football field. And if you have a good young one here, um, probably give him a contract. Now, after that second contract, probably need to look on, because uh, we were talking about earlier being full circle here. The cornerback position is uh, one that needs to drop off. But uh, it tends to drop off, but definitely pay him a second contract. And uh, Scott's got some dogs barking, I think, going on over <laughs> there. I've We've been there. My dog doesn't really bark unless he's scared. Uh, he's Someone just rang the doorbell again because they don't know when to show up at my house. Yeah, well, if you need to go run off real quick, uh, I can't take over the comments well, section. If I but go I up can... there in this mood right now, it'll be ugly for everybody. Oh, no. Well, let's not, let's not do that. <laughs> Keith Robbins coming in here saying, morning, fellas. Good to see you, Keith Robbins. Yep, Keith, uh, thanks welcome. for being here. Yeah, cute pick of your kid there. Always great to see. And Terry Ocean Boy Martin saying, Sup, fellas. I'm late, but anyone, anywho, rise up, Atlanta. Good to see you, Terry Ocean Boy Martin Jr. Uh, probably one of the most optimistic Falcons fans out there. And I think so far he's been proven more right than wrong for being optimistic about this team. Still sitting there at three and four, which is not ideal. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, I guess, or I guess fortunately, 
it's a crappy uh, NFC South. Uh, you have the Buccaneers look like they are falling off an absolute cliff. I don't know what's going on there. Is it the just I saw a rumor that uh, not a rumor. It's a funny thing. Maybe some people believe it, but Giselle Bunchen was a witch and uh, she was keeping Brady youthful uh, with her sprightly powers. And now that they've uh, separated, he's uh, falling off quickly. He doesn't look good. He doesn't look like he's having a good time either. Uh, the Panthers somehow won last week, but they're still a terrible team. Good defense, but horrific uh, offense. And then you have the Saints who, I mean, very ho-hum. Uh, it's really unfortunate you guys dropped that game week one because that's not a very good Saints team. You can Every team could do that at some point throughout the season with a couple games. You look at but, that one, though, and I've, I've written an article on it, and Jameis Winston through his career. When you say, and I've written this almost word for word, when you say he turns into Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady against the Atlanta Falcons, it's not an exaggeration because, or Patrick Mahomes, because his career rating in like 12 games against the Falcons, that's a decent sample size, is higher than their career rating. So yeah. he just feels good about it. <laughs> Kevin says your draft recap was painful. Please don't do that again. Yeah, I was actually trying to give Thomas Dimitrov some props on on the draft cuz it wasn't all bad, but it was tough. I know. It was tough. And the thing is is you what you don't hear in that in that recap and I went back what? 7 years. Uh we started at 20, 21, 21 about 5 years. It's a single DL. Not a one in 5 years. <laughs> Not a single defensive lineman that turned into anything. You wonder why you can't stop anybody. Uh, we get that question a lot. Dave will come in and ask a question about Dean Peace. You've had to build this, you know, and, and you got incredibly lucky on Grady Jarrett with a fifth round pick. You know, if you knew about Grady Jarrett and you expected him to be anything like he is, you wouldn't have waited to the third. You would have reached for him like you did on Marlon Davidson in the second. Yeah. Um, AE coming in. Good morning, fellas. I'm late too. That's all right. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. So yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about Carolina Panthers. Now they came out. Um, the Falcons' offense has been putting up points, even in a, a losing effort. And they had 17 points in the first half before they got two behind the Bengals and had to throw the ball and can't uh, and couldn't. Only threw the ball 13 times while they're trailing. Now, let me say, had to throw the ball and can't. Maybe let me rephrase that to say needed to throw the ball and wouldn't let me put it that way uh needed to throw the ball and wouldn't because maybe they can't um you know and that's where you start going into it but you look at the panthers panthers only gave up three points at home uh they only gave up three points at home to the buccaneers you know as bad as we might say tom brady had a very matt ryan-esque stat line 49 attempts 290 yards they couldn't run the ball against carolina at all they only had 46 rushing yards on 16 attempts Falcons have proven they can pretty much run the ball on anybody. Um, now they didn't face a number one group against the 49ers and they've run the ball against some suspects rushing, uh, rushing defenses. Carolina will be a good test for the Atlanta Falcons offense who wants to run the ball down your dang throat. Yeah. No, Carolina's got an incredible front. It does sound like they're shopping pretty much everybody. Uh, but, uh, you know, Shaq Thompson's a pretty darn good player there. They got Derek Brown, uh, Brian Burns. So we'll be interesting to see how this uh, very talented defense uh, for the Panthers stacks up against the Falcons. I'm thinking this is another game where the Falcons are taking the ball as much as they can out of throwing the football from Matt Ryan, really leaning into the shot plays and saying, Carolina, we think your offense is dreadful. We're going to play you like uh, 
the opponent played the mud dogs in uh, Waterboy, <laughs> and the offense uh, has to has to do something to beat us because i mean pj walker bless his heart i think i saw his spray chart from two weeks ago every single throw was within like five yards of the line of scrimmage uh you should be able to put your offense in advantageous situations and just boa constrict them them to death i know that you call that suffer ball but it's about winning football games at the yeah. end of the day in the NFL. So if suffer ball is a good chance to win, then I'm, I'm not against it. Well, it sounds very similar. You know, you look at a line and we said yesterday, you know, PJ Walker was 16 of 22 for 177 yards and two touchdowns. That's a similar line. If you give him, like we said yesterday, 10 more throws, Marcus Mariota, that's a very similar line. I don't want to see 11 of 13, you know, unless you're running for 300 yards, which you're not going to, I, I but I wouldn't mind seeing, a little less efficiency in the throwing game if it meant you were increasing your yards per attempt a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. 22, instead of 11 for 13 and you're throwing 85%, maybe you're 15 of 23, but instead of 140 yards, I'm at 220 yards um, and opening it up a little bit. So I would like to see that um, a little bit more. And make you feel almost as speaking of Matt Ryan, now fans see why we moved on from him. Um it was, it was, there were several reasons that this was, should have been a good move for everybody involved. Um, you know, I, I always thought it was the right move. This was a real, a rebuilding team and he's a 37 year old quarterback. Um, what I want, what I'm going to be interested to see is does Sam Ellinger, is he under as much pressure as Matt Ryan has been? Cause Matt Ryan was sacked 24 times in seven games. He had four seasons with the Falcons where he wasn't sacked more than four, more than 24 times. So does the threat of Sam Ellinger's mobility decrease the pass rush on him and help the uh, Indianapolis Colts running game? It should, but we will see because that very expensive Indianapolis Colts offensive line is underperformed. They've been shuffling around and it is underperformed. Jerry Bowie yeah. coming in saying, what's up, everyone? What's up, Jerry? Good to see you. Michael Rankio also coming on YouTube saying, good morning, Scott. And Nick on Forging the Falcons. Good morning um, to you. Hope you're doing well. So... What are the keys? You know, is is Baker Mayfield, he's questionable. Does he start if he's healthy, or is this P.J. Walker coming off a big win? He's starting because Baker Mayfield's not 100%, and we're going to give P.J. Walker another start. I think they're going to go with P.J. Walker again. Uh, I think that's what I saw uh, as of last uh, yesterday on Twitter, that P.J. Walker, it might even be P.J. Walker, uh, Walker's job, despite uh, Baker Mayfield being healthy. That's how bad he's been along with uh, Sam, the Sam Darnold experience last year. So I would expect PJ Walker. Uh, he's not really taking shot. He's kind of like a, a lesser man's Tyrod Taylor, a little lesser athlete, even more conservative with the football uh, does tend to protect it pretty well, but he's going to limit the offense. They traded Robbie Anderson. They've traded uh, Christian McCaffrey. They still have DJ Moore out there. Although it sounds like they're shopping him as well. Pretty poor team. Um, if you can slow down, uh, the likes of uh, DJ Moore, the Panthers should be pretty darn anemic uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, they they ran the ball fairly well. Um, you know, Dante Foreman, who actually had a cup of coffee with the Atlanta Falcons, goes for 118. But he was deemed not good enough for the Atlanta Falcons uh, last year. But to be fair, you know, they had Mike Davis, they had Cordero Patterson. Um and, uh, you know, Mike Davis was signed as a free agent from Carolina. I'm trying to think. I know I was looking up some game logs. Uh, they faced P.J. Walker last year. Um, let me see. Against completions, attempts, Atlanta. He was. It was in the second game. Atlanta beat them 29-21. to 21. 
he was six of 12 for 75 yards passing. Uh, it's going to take more than that to beat this Falcons team. Um, you know, we, we mentioned his, he was very efficient against the Buccaneers. You know, if he's 16 to 22 for 177 yards and two touchdowns, again, the Falcons have a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to need to, you know, keep them out of the end zone. And again, only 17 points last week against what is not a great Bengals defense. Not bad, but not great. Do you think this pair, this this Panthers defense is better than than the Bengals defense? I know they do some things differently, but do you think the, the Panthers defense is better? They're more talented. Uh, they are put in far worse advantageous situations. At least the Bengals can, you know, threaten on the other side and teams have to put themselves in a more aggressive situation. Uh, if I think if you swapped this Panthers and the Bengals defense, that Bengals team would be a tier better than they are right now. I think there's more talent on this uh, Panthers defense. So I do think they are uh, slightly better across the board. I, I do too. Um, so, and, and what they do best is, is run stop. So mm-hmm. it'll be a strength on strength, which we don't normally talk about when we're talking Falcons Panthers. Um, Marco Z coming in and this one might get me riled up, Nick. <laughs> what bothers me was if we wanted to be run first, why draft Kyle Pitts, number four overall in 2021, and Drake London, number eight overall in 2022, to be glorified blockers? Um, I don't think they were drafted to be glorified blockers, but when Pitts was drafted, one, uh, the news hadn't made, been made public yet that Julio Jones wanted out. Um, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones were still very much a part of the team. And you had a God awful offensive line and a defense that couldn't stop anybody getting another pass catcher was asinine. If you were actually trying to win at the time, you know, that that's what bothered me the most was all the people saying, Oh, this is a move. The Falcons are going for it. This is a win now move. I'm like, are you out of your minds? How are you going to stop Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Kyle Pitts? Easy. I'm going to put Matt Ryan on his ass. That's how. And then I'm going to run through this Swiss cheese defense that they have. That's how. Uh, I advocated over and over again trading down. This team needed more players, but you don't know what was available. My God, to have that number three pick and the 49ers come at you with three number ones? Oh, that would have been the dream scenario, Nick. But this is what scared me. Uh, This is why I was against taking receivers this high in the past two rounds because your quarterback situation was going to be in flux for at least three seasons when you drafted Kyle Pitts, at least because you had a 36 year old Matt Ryan with a bad offensive line. Then you were going to have a 37 year old Matt Ryan with a bad offensive line or a new quarterback. And then you're probably going to have a new starter again, a first time starter in 2023. You're three years into Pitts's into Pitts's uh, career. What have you got to show for it? I still think that it's kind of like a really good three-point shooter out there uh, on the offensive side of the ball. There's like a magnetism when you have a player that good out there creating space. And even though he's not putting up the stats right now, teams are changing their coverage based on the threat of Kyle Pitts because right now in the NFL, teams are pretty much playing defense that says if we give up the big play, we die. Uh, so anything but the big play. And because of that, I mean, do you think your run game would have the space it operates at without a Kyle Pitts? No, they, they just simply wouldn't. Uh, so uh, I think that Kyle Pitts is 
fine. He's not really getting the st- statistical output right now. And this is always probably going to be a closer to a 50, 50 split team with Arthur Smith coming in a lot of max protect out there, but he's getting sent out there a lot. And those two guys are incredible space blockers as well. I mean, if you want to get those first level runs turning into second and third level runs, you need your wide receivers to go out there and do something cough, uh, Jerry Judy on the Broncos side. Uh, but, um, Calvin Ridley, you can bring that one closer um, to home and just say yeah, Calvin, Calvin Ridley, Ridley too. Blocking. Yeah, you got it. Sorry. Uh, football is a team game. And if you're not out there blocking your ass off on those run plays, you're not going to create explosives on the ground. But, um, uh, I think that this makes sense, uh, to go out there and get those guys still, they've looked pretty good, especially compared to the guys who were taken after them. Um, unfortunately it's just the, the way the draft fell this last year for the Falcons sitting there at eight. There's a lot of guys, honestly, I think the first seven picks, uh, I would have liked more than Drake London there, but they were the first seven picks. So what can you do? Uh, but um, that's um, I, I don't have an issue with this right now. They're also still exceedingly young. They're getting output out there and they're uh, dictating some coverage, creating space and helping the offense be more functional. And you need to have the threat uh, out there of these guys and change how defenses play you. Yeah. They're, they're also incredibly young. You know, that's yeah. the other part is if you want to build for the long haul, uh, Kyle Pitts was drafted when he was 20 years old. You know, can you can you get him? That's my concern is I still have PTSD from uh, the the uh, Rankin Smith days where any player worth a damn wasn't going to get paid and he was going to leave. Um, you know, Deion Sanders, greatest example. Uh, Arthur Blank keeps the guys he wants for the most part almost too much. They, they've been able to keep, you know, the, the bad contracts we've talked ad nauseum. Um, they've held on to these guys and overpaid for them. But Again, uh, it, Marco, it bothered me too. I could bring up the highlights of me just really, really being negative about taking a couple of pass catchers for this team in specific. Didn't make sense for me. Joe coming in says, Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot are doing wonders with this team. We would easily be 0-7 under Dan Quinn. And if you think that's an exaggeration, what he's saying, the last two years under Dan Quinn, in 2018, the team started... Uh, let's see. They were one in four. They started one in four. Uh, and then they won three in a row and then they lost five in a row in 2019, Dan Quinn's last season, after they rallied around him and saved his, uh, saved his job, they started one. That's only how many losses is this one, two, it's week eight. They started one in seven. That was a more talented team maybe than what they've got now. So could easily be 0-7 under Dan Quinn at the time, playing the way they were with no belief, um, no character, really. I agree with you, Joe. This team could easily be 0-7 in previous years. That's what I like about it. This team fights. This team, it, Arthur Smith is now, let's see, we're 3-4. and four, One of those losses, so 3-3 three and three this year in one score game, 7-2 and two last year. Was that 10-5? and 10-5 and five and one – nope. Because that loss was nine and five, nine and five in one score games with this Falcons team under Arthur Smith. That's a good sign. That is a good sign. Jeremy Sean with a good sign says, Good morning. So hit the like button for the boys. Appreciate you, Jeremy. Appreciate you. Big Al coming in also saying, Good morning, guys. Good morning, Big Al. Appreciate you being here. Um, Make you fumble says, Pitts had nine yards. Yeah, we don't expect it to be this extreme. You know, Pitts not being used, anybody could have nine yards. You know, we, joke about you know the running backs and you know who's going to be a running back it doesn't matter if you can't run the ball anybody can go back there and run for two yards of carry uh we could have had fields that was probably my pick 
uh, Nick, if uh, it's not probably the Falcons and stayed in that spot, that's what I wanted them to do was take Justin Fields, have him play for a year under Matt Ryan, move Matt Ryan on under better circumstances that they did hand the reins to Justin Fields, whether or not that would have been the right move or not. That was what I wanted. Yeah, no, that's uh, I wanted Justin Fields too. I'm happy to really happy to have Patrick Sertan uh, though. Mm-hmm. So don't have too many issues with that, but uh, fields looked pretty good on Monday night. It looks like they finally started to figure some things out there. It's like, Hey, we have a, a six foot, whatever, 240 pound quarterback who runs a four, four. Maybe we should use him a little bit like Josh Allen or Cam Newton out there. Seem to unlock something out there. Um, but he can uh, throw the ball. God, he's, got, he's got a wonderful arm too. You know, this isn't Taysom yeah. Hill we're talking about where he's a gadget play. Justin Fields, if it all comes together for him and I, I I've talked with some Chicago folks um, you know, they think it's almost criminally negligent how the Bears treated him last year. Like the last coaching staff didn't want a quarterback, and by God, we're gonna prove it. Um, so he's almost you know, he's behind the eight ball a little bit, but so far, if uh, you know, I, I was pretty adamant saying I wanted Justin Fields, I would have taken him number two overall. Uh, as far as the quarterbacks go, I feel pretty good about that. I don't feel that any of them <laughs> look fantastic. But yeah. I certainly wouldn't have Zach Wilson over him. I wouldn't have Mac Jones over him. Uh, and then Trey Lance is an incomplete. Way incomplete. Yeah, it's really unfortunate about Trey Lance. Uh, he was looking good in that week two game, but the sample size is exceedingly small. So we'll see. Um, we got Dave coming in saying, good morning, guys. Good to see you, Dave. We got YMOF Jamal coming in too saying, good morning, Scott and Nick. What's up, Chad? How you all doing today? Doing pretty well. Got a really good night's sleep. Not to brag, uh, but uh, feel, feeling pretty good over here. All right, so let's get back to the Panthers here real quick before we get out of here. Mm. The an incredible stat. They're not 500 now, they're 3 and 4. But incredible stat. I think the Falcons when they are sitting at 500 are 0 and 13 in the next game. <laughs> That's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. You think, you know, I, I just go back to like that 1989 Sports Illustrated cover calling the the, the Atlanta Loserville. You know, in, in the 80s, were bad. The Braves were awful. Uh, the Falcons were even worse. Um, I don't know. They were both pretty awful. Um, but, you know, it was, it was Loserville, you know, at 500. Now, this team is favored for the first time all year. What do you think? What, what, what do you think? What, uh, where, how do you think this one, uh, this one shakes out, Nick? I think the Falcons end up winning this game probably about, let's go 24 to 13. Uh, I think this is a handled win for the uh, the Falcons. I think this Panthers team is e- extremely anemic, uh, probably one of the worst offenses in football. I was looking at, uh, gosh, pulling up the uh, EPA per play for this team, and the Panthers are just so far and away worse than every other team. So the Broncos, if you exclude turnovers, which I like to do on those uh, stats because they weigh so heavily on the data uh, that um, I think they're a little bit – almost over uh, sampled on there, mm-hmm. especially, you know, if you look at like three years of data, then the turnovers matter, matter as much, but we're still on too small of a sample size where I think turnovers have too much weight on the data, but excluding turnovers, the Panthers EPA per play this season is negative 0.052. Second worst team in football is a negative 0.0012 in the Broncos. So Panthers worst team in football. They have it's, and it's even crazier how bad they are in the past. You talk about worrying about the, uh, the Falcons pass defense, which rightfully so, I don't know if you've seen the new football outsiders DVOA metrics, but the Falcons have the 32nd ranked defense in football, according to DVOA after last week's uh, performance against the Bengals. Uh, 
that that'll normalize some as I think the Bengals are starting to catch their uh, catch what catch on what they're doing so far this season. But the dropback EPA is horrible. They are the only team in, in the entire NFL so far this season with negative EPA per dropback, excluding turnovers, which is just unheard of. Negative 0.079. The Broncos being the second worst at positive 0.20. So they are just horrible, horrible passing the football. Um, it would have to take a unbelievably inept performance from the defense, I think, to lose this game or the offense laying a absolute egg, kind of like we saw what the Buccaneers did last week. But mm-hmm. I think with the ground game, the ground game as good as it is, uh, the Buccaneers so far this season have the worst rushing offense in football. Panther are the the Falcons are going to be able to run the football and I think take this game and control this game pretty handily. Right. Being able to run the ball is more steady. It's a, yes. it's a more dependable metric. It's kind of, kind of like I say, you know, we, we've talked basketball a couple times already. I always said, you know, teams that are going to win, at least it used to be this way. Teams are going to win the NCAA tournament have to have a post presence. They have to be able to get the easy, easy baskets. Couldn't sit on a one and done game. You have a cold shooting night, your season's over. Yep. Um, you know, so you got to be able to go in and get the easy back. Now, Mike, make you fumble. Did you hear all of those stats about the Carolina's passing attack? Uh, that was one of the things that says we have no corners. I think we lose 21 14. If there's ever a game where you want to be short a couple of defensive backs, this is probably it. Uh, the other one might be against the Falcons because they're only going to throw the ball a dozen times. Um, but this is probably it. Their passing game isn't good. So that I am relegated to backup corners um a second or third string safety it's not just corners it's it's safety also dean marlowe is going to be starting for jalen hawkins who is out with a concussion i hope he's doing well um that can't be fun probably a little scary for him so i hope he's doing doing okay but this is probably the game where you want to be short a couple of dbs if you've got to be short so for the first time all season I will probably pick the Falcons. I take the under, Nick, the under, the over under on this is still 42. You know, do you see a 21 or a 24 to 17 is 41? That still seems like a lot of points, Nick. That's 41 and you still win the under on that one. I think the Falcons are going to be able to put some explosives up in this game and the the ground game, uh, no doubt. And also I think the, just given how inept uh, the Panthers are, they either have the choice of, you know, kind of the run, run, pass offense and then punt, or it's going to be trying to push the football and maybe lead in some turnovers. So I think 21 points is definitely possible. I think this is a game where kind of like we saw the Falcons against the 49ers, you have a chance to get some uh, defensive uh, points as well. That's just how horrible this is. Panthers offense is bad. And the data that we have so far for them is with Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey for some of those games. They're that much worse now. This is this is the worst offense in football. Yet they go and whoop, uh, you know, twenty-one-three over the Buccaneers. So, you know, it's but football that was at home. Like that that yeah. was at home, and and home matters. The Falcons. AE comes in. He says twenty-one seventeen birds. That's the under two. I wouldn't touch the line on this one. It's four and a half. I wouldn't touch that one. But in a money line, I probably like Atlanta. And the one I would bet on if I'm in here, this is your my tip of the week, I would take the under. Uh, 42 points. You're talking what they think is 22 to 18. That's that's not even it. It's 24 to 18 is uh, is what they're looking at. And I, I don't know that either one of those teams is going to hit 18 points, let alone both of them. Um, you know, even if the Falcons get 30, okay, 30 to 10, um, if, if they're not able to score points. So they scored 21 last week. They, they, the the they double that one up. You're at 42. So no, I like the under on this one. And uh, um, 
<laughs> I think Roderick is saying the Bengals helped uh, messed up the uh, the the Falcons' defensive metrics. Yeah, that and the pass rush still isn't good. You know, I, I had that discussion with someone else saying, "Oh, they're finally getting to the pass rush." I think it feels that way because it was so bad last year. Um, it was unbelievably bad last year that it feels like you're getting to the passer, getting, uh, but you're, you're still not. You're still an edge away, um, you know, uh, an alpha dog edge away from having the pass rush where you want it to be. And then another corner. But this team is, uh, I want to highlight Chris's comment here before we get out of here, talking about this team, you know, would have been 0-7 under Dan Quinn. And Chris says, because his coaching staff can actually get the players to respond and listen, not only that, they see if they don't give a good effort, they may find themselves looking for a new team. And they're not most of the most of the big guaranteed contracts are gone. You know, a lot of these guys were scrap heap pickups. You know, this is their you know shot in the NFL. If they if they're off this team, they might be out of the NFL. There's a lot of those guys out there and that are playing for their professional lives, and it's working. That said, I am looking forward, Nick, to about a hundred million dollars in cap room and some, some high draft picks again, and what Terry Fontenot can do with this team when he's not trying to build it with two arms tied behind his back. Yeah, no, it's uh, fun to see what this team does. And a lot of what they're going to be doing these next few years is dependent on just how this last draft class develops as well. I mean, as many picks as you had, uh, this, you laid a foundation here for this team to build forward. So I'm really excited to see where this Falcons team is going. Uh, maybe even arriving a year sooner than we thought. I thought for sure they'd have a top five draft pick this year and maybe get another uh, dynamic game changer. Not that they can't, you know, picking wherever they end up picking, but uh, we'll be interested to see. And now then question after this becomes, okay, how long is this Mariota experience hold on right now? Uh, this could be maybe, you know, let's say Mariota comes out here and struggles. Maybe the Desmond Ritter uh, career uh, kicks off here and we kind of get some evaluation on him while still remaining competitive because I think they've built a pretty good, there's no such thing as a quarterback independent offense, but an offense that as long as you have the right skill set, you can minimize the impact of the negative impact of the quarterback. And that seems what Arthur Smith is doing right now with how good the design and the run game is with this Falcons offense. Can't speak to that. We talked about it on yesterday's show. Can't speak to how it's going in practice or in the locker room. You got to pay the best guy when you're tied for first place yeah. in the division. Um, I know that you are of the opinion that, it doesn't matter. Like every team is competitive until they're not. And it doesn't matter if you make the, not that it doesn't matter if you make the playoffs, but they're just, you know, three fourths of the league feels like they're in it. But speaking from somebody whose team hasn't made the playoffs in six seasons, uh, if you can get in the playoffs, that helps and matters. So take yeah, it. No, I'm, I'm it. not playing to develop right now. I'm playing to win for yeah. sure. I just, yeah. I, I just find the whole expanded playoffs, you know, and, and the, the forced parody for, makes for bad football. <laughs> it just makes for bad football that doesn't mean i would say, i would absolutely agree with you um if you're playing the guy right now that gives you the best chance to win right now there will be time for desmond ritter to shine if he's going to be the guy but if he's not better than marcus Mariota right now and you don't think a game action would make him better if you don't see a trajectory where he's better than him at the end of the season i probably don't play him if he's not ready he's not ready now one last thing before we get out of here, looking at uh, a tankathon real quick. Last year, the Falcons were the beneficiary of having a really, really easy schedule. So there were like four teams that were at seven and 10, and they got the highest pick of all the seven and, and ended up number eight. They've got the easiest schedule of the three and four teams again. So right now they're sitting at a 
at the at the tenth overall pick, and Green Bay Packers sitting at three and four have sixteenth. There is a seven pick swing right now because the Falcons' schedule is so bad. It's not going to get a whole lot better if these NFC South teams keep stinking. So that number will they can win, and you know they'll have tiebreakers. So again, we win the games. It's a lot more fun. It's a lot more fun. Free agency will be better. You've proven you can get, um, you know, Arnold Nebuchadnezzar was a second round pick. He's outperforming a lot of guys and that's, you know, the, the edge guys t- taken ahead of him. You've proved you can develop and play and build a team. Keep doing that. Falcons fans will be happy. I'm not, I'm not worried about tanking for the draft for goodness sakes. No. Yep. Just win. Uh, hate to take a line from the Raiders, but that one's just simple and uh, works really well. So, uh, Man, excited for this game. Falcons could be back at 500, maybe even have a sole possession of first place in the NFC South after this game. So a lot to play for. And, uh, man, it's going to be a second. And we're going to be halfway through the season uh, after this week, I believe, as well. Our 17-game schedule, you're never perfectly halfway through. I know that you hate the math for the (laughs) 17-game schedule, but uh, it should be a lot of fun. It shouldn't be this uh, hard. It's one more game. But yeah. you know, we've got 10 and 6, 9 and 7, 8 and 8. We've got all that stuff. You know, they're 5 and 11. I can do those by reflex, like my math tables. And then I'm at 17 yep. games and I'm like, wait, what? What does it look like? Yeah. 100%. <laughs> but they win this game, they go to they go to 500, then they play the Chargers. They'll be underdogs again against the Chargers. Let's break that streak. Yeah. 0 and 13 when you're exactly at 500. So get over that hump. Get over that hump. On that note, everybody. We've both picked the birds in this one. Favored at home against the Panthers. We'll see how it goes. Uh, it's a good time. There's never. I don't want anybody injured, but if you're going to have injuries in the secondary, this is the team you want to face in the Carolina Panthers. Can P.J. Walker play another good, efficient game? If he does, the Falcons are going to have problems. They're, they're going to have problems if he's, if he's as good last, as he was last week. Um, they'll run the ball better than the Buccaneers and should be able to score more than three points. I like the under. And I like that y'all were here with us today. Everybody, thank you for being here. We will not be here Monday. I will be flying back from England on Monday. We'll be back again on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. So until then, appreciate y'all being here, and we'll see you next time.